everyone, and welcome to episode 20 of the Hydrogen Nowcast, recorded on February 14th, 2021. This is a podcast devoted to encouraging the deployment of fuel cell EVs, hydrogen fueling, and hydrogen infrastructure throughout the world. The Hydrogen Nowcast is a production of the Colorado Hydrogen Network in Denver, Colorado. I'm your host, Brian DeBruin, the Director of Operations for the Colorado Hydrogen Network, and I'm pleased to have back with us again today the Colorado Hydrogen Network Communications Director, Charlotte Hamilton. Welcome, Charlotte. How have you been? Hi, Brian. Uh, Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be back. I've been, you know, pretty good given the pandemic. Yeah. How has the COVID situation been for you? Well, my non-hydrogen related day job is in the mental health care field. So as you might imagine, I've been keeping pretty busy. Um, But, you know, it's job security and we're able to help people. So that's important. How have things been with you with the COVID situation? Well, it's been fine for me. You know, I'm I'm retired, so I can just stay home. I don't have to risk anything going out. And, you know, actually with the Colorado Hydrogen Network, things have been really well. We've had really good turnout at our meetings. And I think it's because people have a lot of time, you know, and, and so they can devote the time to getting online for a quick hour and a half meeting. So it really hasn't hampered our effects at all. Now, before we get started, let me correct something I said in the last episode. About nine and a half minutes into the podcast, I was uh, recapping the function of electrolyzers and fuel cells, and I actually misspoke. And what I meant to say was that a fuel cell makes electricity using hydrogen and air. So now that we have that out of the way, Charlotte, what should we talk about today? Well, I occasionally hear criticisms about the environmental benefits of hydrogen, And I think it would be useful to address those criticisms today. You know, that's a great idea. Now, listeners, both Charlotte and I are members of the Climate Reality Project, which is headed by former Vice President Al Gore. And the reason I joined Climate Reality, and then I went on to found the Colorado Hydrogen Network, was because as an engineer, it was obvious to me that hydrogen was an essential companion to renewable electricity in order to create a new energy system to replace fossil fuels. Now, hydrogen provides a storable and quickly transferred form of electricity that batteries alone can't. So I would say hydrogen and electricity are two sides of the same energy coin. Now, people might say, well, of course you're pro-hydrogen since you run a hydrogen advocacy organization. But in reality, that's backwards. You know, it's because of my deep concern for the environment that I'm pro-hydrogen. But I would also like to point out that I get no benefit from promoting hydrogen. You know, CHN is a nonprofit, and I work full-time for CHN pro bono, which is Latin for no charge. Uh, As a matter of fact, I invest thousands of dollars of my own money each year in CHN and in this podcast because I believe that if we fail to deploy hydrogen, we'll fail to completely decarbonize transportation. And I suspect we'll talk about that. One of the things I hear most often is the belief that hydrogen comes from fossil fuels. Some people don't want fuel cell EVs because they think the hydrogen will come from fossil fuels and that will just give the oil companies a way to keep pumping oil and gas to power fuel cell EVs. You know, I'm so glad you brought this up. You know, first we have to realize that we're in a transition. In fact, it's called the energy transition. And in the past, both our electricity and hydrogen were derived from fossil fuels. But in the future, neither will be. Now, you know, one could just as easily make the criticism that we shouldn't be using battery EVs because currently much of their electricity is generated by coal and gas fired power plants. Now, it's true that 
a battery EV charged with electricity generated from coal and gas creates less CO2 than a gas or diesel vehicle. But there's something else to consider. And that is when we deploy a hydrogen fuel station, we can request a power purchase agreement or PPA from the utility specifying that the electricity we get for hydrogen generation is derived from wind or solar. So we'll know that all the fuel cell EVs that we fuel are using 100% renewable energy. However, we don't have that kind of control over battery EVs that could be charging anywhere. So until the grid is 100% renewable energy, we won't have all battery EVs using renewable energy all the time, but fuel cell EVs can be. But what about the criticism that oil companies might make hydrogen from oil and gas? Well, there the answer is not to ban hydrogen, but to have public policy that encourages or demands that energy comes from zero carbon sources. You know, we shouldn't cripple our efforts to decarbonize our energy sectors by limiting something as essential as hydrogen. Okay, so this brings up another point I hear a lot. Why do we even need hydrogen? Why can't we just electrify everything? Well, in a way, we are electrifying everything. As Bill Leedy said in our last podcast, our future energy system is going to use mostly electricity at the beginning and at the end of the system. But in the middle, where we need to transport or store energy, electricity always won't give the same performance or convenience as what people need and want. Now, batteries can provide small amounts of storage for a limited time, but to flow that energy into batteries requires charging which takes a considerable amount of time. In contrast, hydrogen, since it's a substance, can be transferred very quickly and moved around just like gasoline can. And and this is what I call portability. Now, that's really important for transportation. Now, the most critical point that nobody seems to talk about is that we have to look at transportation from the customer's perspective. That is, if we want all users to give up their gasoline or diesel vehicles for renewable energy, We have to offer a replacement that gives users the same performance and convenience that they currently have. Otherwise, they're never going to switch. Now, to the user, fuel cell EVs act just like the gasoline and diesel vehicles they're used to. You just put fuel in and drive. No worries about charging for long periods of time. The only differences are that you fill up with hydrogen, of course, and you don't emit any CO2. So really, this is the main point that has to be made. You know, the world has got to completely switch from petroleum vehicles to renewable energy, but we'll fail to convince everyone to switch if we can't offer an alternative that has the same performance and convenience and cost as gas and diesel. I think that a lot of people expect that battery vehicle performance will soon catch up to gas and diesel. Well, of course, batteries will always improve. And maybe someday somebody will invent a better battery technology than lithium ion. However, some of the limitations of battery vehicles have nothing to do with the battery. Really? Like what? Well, the main issue is charge time. You know, charge time has nothing to do with the battery. You can have a perfect battery and it'll still take much longer to charge a battery vehicle than it will to fuel with hydrogen or gasoline. The limiting factor is how much power you can safely apply to the vehicle. So today, you know, you can add 400 miles worth of energy to a hydrogen or a gasoline vehicle in about three minutes. For that same 400 miles of range for a mid-sized battery car, you need about 130 kilowatt hours. Now, kilowatt hours are a function of voltage and current and time. Now, the maximum safe voltage you can expect to use for charging is about 400 volts, and the maximum safe current is around 300 amps. 
Now, voltage times current equals watts. So that factors out to be 120,000 watts or 120 kilowatts. So 120 kilowatts applied for one hour is 120 kilowatt hours. So to transfer 130 kilowatt hours, we'd need 1.08 hours or 65 minutes. Okay, but I just saw an article online titled, New Electric Car Battery Charges in Just Five Minutes. So what's with that? Yeah, you know, I saw that article too, and this is so misleading as to qualify as outright lying. Really? What do you mean? Well, each individual cell can indeed be charged in five minutes, but you can't charge an entire car's worth of batteries in five minutes because of the massive power required. So let me give you an example. Do you think you could fill a glass of water in one second? Sure. Could you fill an Olympic pool in one second? Uh, no way. <laughs> so this is a perfect analogy for charging one battery versus charging an entire car's worth of batteries. You know, cars require massive amounts of energy, and that energy can be quickly and easily transferred as a portable substance like hydrogen or gasoline, but moving electrons, like in charging, is time-consuming. Another argument I hear all the time in this debate about battery and fuel cell EVs is that battery EVs are just more efficient. Well, that's true. They are more efficient. You know, battery EVs use less electricity than fuel cell EVs, especially when you take into account the generation of hydrogen, because there's some loss as you do that. And this is the one area where battery EVs excel. So for users that A, don't drive long distances, B, have the ability to usually charge at night at home, C, can keep their battery EV in a garage when it's cold, and D, don't need much range in cold weather like skiers do, you know, a battery EV is a great solution. But drivers with more demanding needs will prefer fuel cell EV. So for around town, to work, school, to the store, a battery EV is really well suited, or even as a second car, it's great. So this really points to the fact that we need both types of EVs if we're going to offer solutions that everyone will accept. What about environmental justice concerns? Like, for example, lower income households. What would be better for this type of user, a battery EV or a fuel cell EV? Well, here I think fuel cell EVs are a clear choice for the following reasons. The first is charging. You know, lower income people such as students and others are likely to live in apartments that are unlikely to have charging available for all parking stalls. Also, batteries can't be charged if the battery is below freezing or 32 degrees Fahrenheit. So if the car is outside in the winter, charging is a problem. Also, batteries currently don't last the life of the vehicle, and so replacing them can cost $10,000 or more. And they also wear out gradually, so the range of the vehicle is declining over time. Although electricity costs less than hydrogen on a per-mile basis, when you figure in the cost of a battery replacement, it kind of cancels any fuel savings. Hydrogen will be no more expensive per mile than gasoline in Colorado and eventually everywhere. Regarding the vehicle cost, according to Toyota and others, when fuel cell EVs are produced in volume, they'll be priced about the same as a gasoline vehicle. Another question I hear is about how much water is needed to generate hydrogen, since hydrogen is generated by splitting water molecules with electricity. Well, a hydrogen station that fuels around 60 cars a day will use about as much water as four average homes. By contrast, the average restaurant uses the same water as about 64 homes. So the big water user in most places is agriculture. 
I calculated recently that if every vehicle in Colorado ran on hydrogen, all those vehicles would use only 0.04% of the water used by Colorado agriculture. So if people are worried about water, they should really work to convert agriculture to sustainable techniques like no-till farming and holistic grazing that build the soil, sequester carbon, and use far less water and also help replenish the aquifers. You know, we've been focused on using hydrogen for transportation, but aren't there lots of other uses for hydrogen? Well, that's a really good point. You know, as I said earlier, our future energy system is going to use electricity at the beginning and end. That is, at the point of energy creation, like wind, solar, and hydroelectric, and the point of use, such as lights and motors. In between generation and use, we need to transport or transmit the energy, store it, and make it available in portable forms. So let's talk first about transporting and transmitting energy. Here we have to take a minute to stop and consider not just how to move energy, but how much. If we stop using fossil fuels for transportation, building heating, and industrial processes, and switch over to electricity, we'll be moving all that energy demand to the electric grid. So we'd be at least tripling the load on the grid. And this means we'd have to triple the number of transmission and distribution lines. And they would also have to go to new places of wind and solar generation or vehicle charging stations. Besides being pretty costly, this is bound to meet with significant public resistance. You know, people just don't want to see more transmission lines on the beautiful horizon. You know, not in my backyard, as they say. So there is an alternative to power lines, and that is to send energy via hydrogen in underground pipelines instead. Now, this is much less likely to meet much public resistance because the pipes are out of sight. And the pipelines can follow major highway right-of-ways, and the cost is even probably lower than transmission lines. What about getting electric power to all of the remote locations and, and small towns for hydrogen fuel stations or, or battery charging stations? You know, I'm really glad you brought this up. You know, small towns and rural fuel stations currently don't have enough electrical power to uh, install many battery chargers or to generate much hydrogen. But this is another case where hydrogen has advantages. You know, hydrogen doesn't have to be generated on site. It could be created elsewhere and then trucked to fuel stations. And this can actually be done pretty efficiently using tanks filled with a metal hydride material that allows more hydrogen to be held in a tank than simply empty space would. And we're seeing a number of companies now offering this material. And I know that work is going on at NREL on this technology. Now, by contrast, battery vehicle charging in remote locations may require new transmission or distribution lines. With electrical generation moving away from fossil fuels to wind and solar, I've heard a lot about the need for energy storage. But then when I consider the added load of energy for transportation, building, heating, and industrial processes, it makes me think that there must be some big issues looming with uh, balancing the grid. Boy, you know, that's a really good point. You know, people have kind of, I'll say, reflexively suggested brute force approaches at the utilities like massive banks of batteries. But if you step back and look at the entire energy system, and by that I mean all the energy sources and their characteristics and all the loads and their characteristics, there's a much more integrated way to make them play together, which involves hydrogen. And here's what I mean. You know, wind and solar generation happen when they happen. We can't control the wind or the sun other than to just disconnect the solar panels or wind turbines, which is called curtailment. But that's wasting this energy. And electrical loads like lighting, building heating and cooling, 
and to a large extent, vehicle battery charging, also have to happen when the users want them. But hydrogen generation is different. That can happen whenever we want since we store it in tanks for later use. So hydrogen generation could be used as a way to absorb and dampen the power variations on the grid by turning it on and off. And this would basically be controlled by the utilities using either smart grid or smart meter technology. Well, this has been a really interesting discussion. Um, I hope this provides some clarity for people around the role of hydrogen in the energy transition. Well, thanks, Charlotte. And, you know, it was really great to have you back on the show. We'll have to have to do this more often. So listeners, if you enjoy listening to the Hydrogen Nowcast, please subscribe to the podcast and also give us a rating in your podcast app. A good rating helps us be discovered by other people. And of course, word of mouth recommendations are really important. So consider letting people in your own network know about the Hydrogen Nowcast. So until next time, this is Brian DeBruin and Charlotte Hamilton wishing you health and prosperity. Goodbye.